Well, hello. I'm Lainey, also known as Electro Girl, and I'm an advocate for empowering people to get back in the driver's seat of their diagnosis. See, I was diagnosed with epilepsy 30 years ago and basically was never satisfied with hearing from a doctor that pharmaceuticals would be the only approach to controlling my seizures. I just wasn't going to take it. Out of my way, mortal. So I committed many, many years to researching and finding an answer outside of the Western medicine approach to find a more holistic approach in managing and treating my epilepsy and the seizures. The Love Your Diagnosis podcast is a show about exactly that. Each week, we will be looking into the life of someone who has been diagnosed with a condition or illness and has succeeded in managing their diagnosis both in and outside of Western medicine. To start off, we will look at the Western medicine prognosis and approach to dealing with their diagnosis inside the square. Then, we'll dip our toes a little deeper into their story where we talk about other empowering modalities that worked for those people outside of that square. Basically, what put them back in the driver's seat of their diagnosis. So hang around with me while we explore living in and outside the medical square when it comes to loving your diagnosis. Okay, welcome to the Love Your Diagnosis podcast. And today on the podcast, we have Jerry Henderiska. Did I get that right? Almost. Good enough. Yes. You're lucky to not attempt my first name because that's an even more colorful attempt. Where are you in the world, Jerry? I'm in Melbourne, Australia. I'm originally from Holland, though. So I've moved here about eight years ago, but now I'm in Melbourne. So we're going to start with basically what you've been diagnosed with, how long ago, and just a little bit of a brief description of what you were first initially told about your symptoms. Um, It's ADHD. And of course, ADHD has many names, ADD, um, attention deficit disorder, executive dysfunction disorder. It goes under many puppets and it has um, a bucket list of of symptoms. I didn't find out until my probably a a week before my 36th birthday. And it, it did a good 180 on how I view myself and my functioning in the world and my place and what to do with the future. Okay. Well, give us a little indication of what your life was like because 36 years on the planet is quite a long time to get up to mischief and do stuff. (laughs) Just set the scene of what was going on in your life sort of pre-diagnosis. Like were you partying? Were you a bookworm? Are you an introvert? I always considered myself quite the adventurous um, extrovert a very blunt, in-your-face, forward, opinionated, strong, easily bored, always out for adventure and action and excitement. And then that slowly turned into a bit of a hot mess in the sense of why isn't my life working? Why do I not seem to be evolving into being just a functioning adult in general? I'm seeing all my friends grow up, get their dream jobs, get their dream families and feeling stuck to the point where it became quite hopeless um, and dark and grim to look at the future and not being able to figure out why you couldn't get it like everybody else. Did you have uh, an epiphany moment where you decided, you know what, this just is way too much for me to handle and I, I need to get someone to look at me so I can find out what the fuck's going on? 
what was your epiphany well moment? so it was it the, the silly thing with adhd is because it is if it's if it's not discovered early on it comes out in a lot of different tiny little weirdnesses symptoms that you might individually be looking at and i had done that throughout my life i've done it for my anxiety. I've done it for depressive episodes. I've done it for problematic eating. I've done it for a, a billion different things that, that all come together um, to become an ADHD diagnosis. And I didn't realize it until a friend started talking about it. And I was like, wait, what? Are they part of it? Is this part of it? Is that? No, you're kidding. That's not all part of it. Um, and then when you start diving deeper and you start collecting the list, it's basically everything you thought was wrong with you. Right. Or you couldn't get a handle on. And then when it falls under one big diagnosis, you're like, oh, wait a sec. And that's how that went for me. It was years of having things about my personality and my behavior that were frustrating to sometimes to the, to the degree of wanting to get help for it, but not really getting anywhere with it because it wasn't really the standard issue. You weren't really depressed. You weren't really anxious enough. Your eating was just not problematic enough. And then all of a sudden you get the bigger picture. And so did you approach the doctor? Did somebody take you or did you just go, look, I'm going in and you got diagnosed with ADHD? When the realization hit, I did a little bit more research before I went to the GP because I wanted to be a little bit more sure. And I knew it was going to involve going through a psychiatrist. So I got a referral and I knew that the waiting lists at that time were really long. So I was like, let's just get it started. Let's just get that referral out and get an appointment booked somewhere. And then in the time in between, I'll dig deeper. And worst case scenario, I'll cancel the appointment. And just the closer I got, the more convinced I got. So by the time that I was ready to get my diagnosis, I had practically already filled out and printed out all of the tests that she was going to put me through, which led to within five minutes, she started writing and she said, look, you're classic, classic case, no doubt about it. I'm really uh, impressed. One of the reasons why I'm doing a podcast like this is the fact that you went and looked into it yourself beforehand. You didn't just sit there and go, oh, I just want someone else to tell me what's wrong with me. You actually actively went and looked at and look, you know, let's face it, Dr. Google can be your friend and your uh, enemy <laughs> in a sense, you know. So yeah. it's great that you went looking uh, for things that that really resonated with you so you could have uh, some, I guess, empowerment when you walked into that office. Yeah. yeah. Well, I have to say that besides having that mentality, I've had that throughout my life. Like I want answers to the things that I don't understand, but I have to say that I was lucky that it was the beginning of the pandemic and TikTok happened and combined with a lot of recent uh, developments and insights around female inattentive ADHD, there was a boost of women waking up all around my age, all around the same symptoms, all with the same frustrations throughout their lives. And they started popping up on my TikTok feed while I was bored scrolling for hours during the pandemic. And that was also a very reflective thing because I don't think I would have necessarily felt so strongly about it were it not for other strong women visually around me experiencing and talking about the same thing. It's a whole different game to read a list of symptoms versus just having women that you admire openly speak about it and talk about their experiences and be like, oh, I have the exact same. And I so, think that was the most helpful. 
What are some of the symptoms that you're talking about when you say I was having these symptoms? What are some of them that you can share with us? Oh, there's so many things. A dyslexia that was considered laziness when I was growing up. I was just too lazy to read properly, which in hindsight, it wasn't dopamine rewarding enough. So I was too impatient. Lights all around you being way too sensitive, sensory issues. When you're walking and how annoyed you can get about the fact that one shoe is not as tightly fitting as the other one and just not being able to let it go. Rejections, uh, sensitivity, dysphoria, not being able to control your emotions when something happens um, and being absolutely consumed if somebody's angry with you and not being able to function. Having a distorted relationship with food, for example, is a big one that happens with a lot of women around my age. They're all dopamine related issues. What tests did they, or did they not need to do tests? Did you just walk into a doctor and go, this is what's happening for me and they didn't even need to run tests? Or if so, what were the tests that they did to give you this diagnosis? Very often they would like you to talk about your childhood all the way up to your adulthood and they'll have specific pinpoints, um, how you studied, uh, how you dealt with backlash, what you were like as a child in class, you know, basically about obedience, uh, concentration. Um, they're pretty cliche. And there's a test, which is about 18 questions that is used by almost all psychiatrists to kind of diagnose you. And they want to, they want you to talk about the examples of the 18 questions. And they're all related to what I just said, like concentration and how to deal with things, um, how you de- dealt with things, how distractible you were, um, how you've dealt with your emotions, how you've grown with these issues. Yeah, I, I reckon that is that is that is really all they'll 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 need. They just need some confirmation of the of the behavior. So you walked out of that office knowing exactly what was ahead of you, or did they did they take a so, few days? No, not at all, not at all. The thing is, the diagnosis is only one side. After that is when your when your actual world starts to change, and if you're lucky enough to already investigate it prior, then you already kind of know before you get the approval from your psychiatrist anyway. So in this case, I already knew. I did have a little cry in the car right after when somebody, you know, professional tells you, yep, you're right, and your world changes. But afterwards is when the real change happens, when you when you start getting medicated and when you start talking and, and reflecting back on, on how that is changing you and what a relief that can be. That actually leads me into my next question because... We're going to just explore from now till the end of the podcast exactly what was told for you to do and then what you actually did for yourself to, to manage it. So you mentioned medication. That was the first point of call, was it? Just get on these meds and... Yes. And it was yeah. dosage experimentation, was it? And I'm still in that part because through the pandemic, everything, of course, gets cancelled and delayed. In my case, I feel... My psychiatrist immediately got on the phone and got me drugs, basically. And I already knew that was very likely to happen. Which were the drugs? In this, I got on Vyvanse, which Mm -hmm. is a relatively new, slow-release amphetamine, which is often prescribed for ADHDs. Um, and it has a lot of other elements too. But yeah, my, my psychiatrist was, was immediately like, let's start, let's get you on meds. Let's start you on meds. Let's trial them. 
And after that is done, we'll start talking about the things that you feel uh, need a change. And I have not gotten there with her in the last six months, which was somewhat frustrating. So I did look at counseling on the side and uh, reading books and being proactive about it myself. Um, and even some of the trialing of the meds. Yeah, it, t- it takes a lot of proactive searching yourself as well. You absolutely need to be invested and, have- and not just take it. And have yeah well it's yeah it's a big it's a big thing because I know in my own journey too that um you know had was just a bit stunned after the diagnosis and then it was all about medicine and then it took me a while Hmm. to to realize that I could actually um research other ways of doing it and that I didn't I wasn't comfortable being on all this medication so that leads me to ask you have you yet because this is all a little bit kind of newish like in the last two years are we we talking? Yeah, well, the last year, actually, it's literally uh, about to become the anniversary of a year. Um, and the meds is about six months now. And I, I went through the same thing after a couple of months of being on them, because I mean, let's face it, amphetamines are not an unknown thing for a lot of people, but on the daily, just a function is a whole different game. And it, I was, I was just like you uncomfortable with the idea of possibly just taking this because somebody's telling me. So I definitely had my own experiments of what, what happens if I don't take them? What happens when I do take them? What happens if I don't take them regularly? And I was very proactive at analyzing the differences and I'm still not convinced that I might be on these meds forever. I know that looked- there's a lot of alternatives to this. Okay, yeah, I've so- looked at, at many different alternatives and spoken to different um, people with the same diagnosis and some counselors about what other alternatives might be, which also helps you them? again in the bigger picture of the. So can you, you know, tell the listeners what some of the alternative methods are that you've researched around just taking medicine or yeah. instead of medicine? Well, of course, that starts with investigating the right people. Dr. Russell Barkley, legend, look him up, has a lot of ideas about this. So who's Russell Russell Barkley is? Dr. Russell Barkley is is basically the the boundary pusher of all science and knowledge around ADHD. And I'm a big believer, and I believe he is too, that pretty soon this this won't be called ADHD anymore because it has very little to do with hyperactivity or attention and a lot more with dopamine deficiency, and which then relates to executive dysfunction and plain old depressive paralysis, basically. Can I ask you, do you drink alcohol or take recreational? I mean, you don't have to answer that. Do you take um, substances that I would, do? And how do you find your brain functions during and afterwards? Afterwards, as so, in the next day? There's two sides to this answer. I think that a lot of people who have ADHD will find some way of coping with it, be it a very often unresponsible use of alcohol or drugs or sex or food. I was lucky enough to not go down the alcohol path or sex side of things. For me, it was food, which, well, lucky enough, it's still unhealthy. So that means that for me, drugs, recreational drugs can stay that way. I've never had issues necessarily addiction-wise related to my ADHD with that. But it does mean that being dopamine deficient, that a hangover can be devastating. It can throw off all your routines. 
and get you in a big loophole of not knowing how to start your day, not being able to get out of bed because your brain will keep just winding through all the options. What is going to be the most dopamine rewarding? Which one are we going to pick? When is it going to be perfect conditions to do it? When are we going to make a decision? What's going to be the best? And a, a drug or alcohol fueled hangover can definitely make that worse and long. And, ha- and have you looked into dopamine like natural ways of restoring brain health uh, after those sorts of things or, or taking them before you know you're going to have a big night or using that to actually like prepare um, your, your brain and nervous system for this dopamine drop? So I know about, is it the, the HCP, 2CP, 2CB? No, I'm mentioning them all now um uh, elements prior to the pandemic but this all happened to me during the pandemic so i have to say no being parties. in the most locked down city of the world i have not been able to experiment much with my old party life and and this new diagnosis nor mixing my medication with recreational drugs which i'm now thinking is probably also a thing to consider well, I'm going to put in I bet in you the, have a tip. <laughs> well, I have to be careful because I can't make claims about anything, but I'll put links in the in the podcast notes yeah. of, of places to go and maybe check out certain um, products that uh, or certain companies like Happy Herb Company and Superfeast that actually help yeah, to yeah, yeah. help the brain processes. When the right product or right information is presented to you, you'll know intuitively because you said that's yeah. your intuitive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Starting your day off with a, a good, healthy, chunky cardio exercise is supposedly a great fix for people with uh, a dopamine deficiency disorder, which I've been experimenting with as well. I believe fish oil contains particular elements that help the receptors in your brain. Omega-6, so anything really. I think the fish oil industry is a little bit dodge. But if you're, if you're, you know, personally, mm. I supplemented the fish oil whole thing because of the industry and, and the fact that sometimes in my research, I've, I've heard that the oil that's used in the fish oil actually goes rancid. You think you're taking something that's working, but the but oil's already gone off before the, before you can get to yeah. the juicy medicine. So I basically replaced yeah. it with hemp seeds and I get yeah. exactly the same benefit out of hemp seeds that I would have with fish oil. Anyway, that's just a buy. Yeah. Yeah. See, it sounds like you're already a, a step ahead of, of me in that one. And one of the things for me personally as well is the fact that food has been a big element in me trying to cope my entire life with what was going on, which is basically a dopamine deficiency. And now that that is somewhat leveled out by the medication, I can also approach my food differently again, which also means that I can now start looking into what foods might affect my body in a specific way, um, whether that be, you know, what do carbohydrates really do to me? What would my weight do to this as well? Like, would, would my weight be of influence to it? So there's, I have a long track ahead of figuring out what my way will be. Have you got a journal? I'm actually making a journal for this particular thing, for exactly this. So uh, have you actually made your own or are you, are you tracking that on a food journal? or? A- well, the problem that I have is consistency and that's throughout everything in my life. So I've got probably about 20 
empty journals definitely stacked away somewhere because that's a very ADHD thing to do. But I know myself well enough that keeping consistent track is is a tough one. Yeah, I, I, I still need to find my system in that. Yeah. If it was on an app, would you do it? Because I'll send you when I make the app, I'll send you the link. Oh, definitely give it a go. Yeah, yeah. Give yeah. It, what's the app? Oh, the app is about because when when I had my journey with epilepsy and and trying to trying to like work out so I could be on less medicine, trying to work out what the triggers were, I did a whole journal, food, uh, you know, who I was seeing, you know, what supplements, what medicines, what drugs, what alcohol, like what what I was eating, like there was a whole yeah. list of things. And basically, um, over a couple of months, and basically, I started to see patterns, which is really important because it's the patterns that the patterns that your body is responding to that is actually potentially causing you to not be able to manage some of the symptoms. So, I guess you know, my next thing to you is: Do you eventually want to be medicine-free and just managing this, if you can, with lifestyle choices, and or are you quite? resigned to the fact that a little bit of medication is actually working for you and you want to do this on a more holistic level? It's an interesting one because I definitely come from the backgrounds where I would prefer it to be holistic, where I can do this with food and exercise and meditation or whatever whatever is already in myself and in, in natural reach. But I'm also a big advocate of celebrating science and you know, giving credit to these, these incredible people that have made it their life's mission to study this and to understand that sometimes our bodies might not be in the absolute perfect athlete state and that my functioning might be enhanced with um, help and I'm not opposed to it. So I will absolutely always be a critical thinker and never just take it. But I'm open to the idea that this is an enhancer of my life. I know that I can survive without it. I've done that for 36 years, but I'm also seeing a really big benefit to taking it right now. And the massive changes that have already happened in how I see myself and how I talk to myself and how I get myself out of bed in the morning are not something I want to diminish because it is, it is huge. It's made such a difference. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be a play around, but I, I'm not decided yet. Yeah, that's great. And it's, you know, health, health is a lifetime thing. It's not just something that you look at for a year and go, okay, well, you know, tick, done that. Um, because, you know, we, we, we're changing all the time. And, yeah. and that was a really good answer, actually, because, you know, holistic, the way I see holistic is if you do need a little bit of pharmaceutical medication, that's absolutely fine, whatever works for you. But from where I part of it, yeah, yeah, from where I come from, outsourcing it completely to medicine is doing yourself a bit less of a favor than actually contributing with healthy yeah. choices that will assist you. Well, yeah, I, one of the things that I wanted to add to that is also make sure that you, I, I, one of the things that I am a big advocate of is looking at your medical professionals as your team members, your collaborators. They're not doing it by themselves and you're not doing it by yourself. They won't have all the fixes. They, they might be able to either shine a light on the psyche or give you an enhancement to your natural state. But yeah, it's, it's definitely not up to somebody else to fix. And it's absolutely not up to anybody else to manage. So it, I think 
yeah, like you said, you're right. Holistic is including them in it. Would you say, Jerry, that you love your diagnosis or you say you're on the... Absolutely. You say yeah? Without do a doubt. What do you I, love about it? What I love about it is that I can now see myself as a one piece that I love. And before I had all these elements about myself that were frustrating because I could not figure out why they were there and how they were different and why they were different than other people. And now I know why. And now I can see myself as a as one instead of a person with all these weird things that don't function. They've become me now. I'm now able to work with it because I also know where it comes from and where it comes from within me, not from anybody else, not from trauma, not from what anybody else has done to me or given to me. It's all me. But now I also know how to deal with that part of me. And, and that's the best thing I've ever found. Fantastic. And I think you answered this, but my last question is if there was a tip to someone who was, you know, who's going through what, what you have gone through, what would it be? But I do think you actually answered that unless you've got something else to add. Well, um, yeah, again, like give yourself time because you're going to go through the cliche every step of grief because you're going to say goodbye to, to that old person that you didn't understand, that you didn't get along with. And that's okay. And you're going to change your opinion about the people that have always already been in your life um, because you're going to view how they treated you differently. So just give yourself time, allow it to happen. Well, don't give yourself time on that diagnosis. Make sure you book that ASAP because it takes way too long at the moment. But everything else, give it time, give it time. Don't make conclusions right away. Don't accept that this is how everything's always gonna be. Same with your meds, same with your treatment plan. Everything can always change, but it's good stuff on the other side. Thanks, Jerry. We'll leave it there, but thank you so much for putting your hand up and wanting to be a part of this and empowering others with your story and giving some little pearls of wisdom about perhaps what people can do if they're in the same situation. So, well, thank you for having me and good on you for doing this. Oh, thank you very much. It's great. It's a great initiative. Yeah. Thanks, darling. We'll we'll be in touch. No worries. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. The Love Your Diagnosis podcast is proudly produced by me. Well, I don't know about you, but I learned so much about that. It's so intriguing. Jerry, just, oh, I just love talking to people that are totally onto knowing their stuff, you know? And even though she's new in the game, she was only really diagnosed about a year ago and has been on meds for six months for ADHD. She has a really big insight into what is going on for her because, once again, it comes back to the fact that if you research yourself, you gain so much knowledge and acceptance, actually. You don't feel like you're the only one in the world experiencing this. And and that's the case with ADHD, is that there are so many people living an existence with what Jerry calls... So it has very little to do with hyperactivity or attention and it's more to do with a dopamine dysfunction which is what Russell Barkley who is a you know a standout person in this field is kind of covering some of the symptoms that Jerry experienced herself and she she also mentions is quite common for other people is dyslexia light sensitivity sensory issues and really hard to control her emotions you know when she fixates on something and she cannot move her, her brain away from that 
So these are all the things that for her are part of her ADHD or dopamine-related issue. Her final message is also use your health professionals as collaborators in your outcome. Do your research, come together with your health professional and find an answer to how to increase dopamine more efficiently for yourself. I'll put in the notes some businesses that you might want to look into for brain support, dopamine support, and just some products that might be of benefit to to look into a little bit more. I really enjoyed that. I hope you did. And thanks for tuning in. If you would like to be part of this podcast, just message me through the link below. If you enjoyed today's show, at this stage, all you have to do is listen and tell your friends about it because there could just be a story on here that they've got diagnosed with or that they can relate to where they get to think outside the square. And a few seeds might be planted in their brains about other ways of dealing with it besides just what the original diagnosis and prognosis is. Thanks for listening. If you want to learn a little bit more about other options for what you can utilize for your wellness journey, click on the link below to the Happy Herb Company. They've got lots of amazing products to assist in getting you started in your wellness journey. Thanks again for listening. I'm Lainey Chait.